Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we actually talk a lot about a lot of topics, but the biggest topics that we cover today are female arousal, which is huge, intimacy and vulnerability, which is also huge and something that every man should know how to do correctly. And we start off the show by talking about male sexuality and how to actually be okay with being the sexual man that you are, how it's a wonderful thing for women and for yourself to be a sexual man. So keep listening. Women podcast. My name is Marnie and I am your very own personal wing girl and Kristen, my co-host, who is the amazing banter coach, is not here today, but I have Hannah Spanky and she is a licensed authentic Tantra practitioner, clinical sexologist, and relationship and life coach. And she uses body-focused holistic approach with her clients to help them heal from the inside out and create the relationships they want to have with themselves and with others. So Hannah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been a few weeks since I've had like this kind of a conversation and I'm so excited to have it right now. (laughs) Okay, good. I know you were telling me before you a lot of stuff going on that was clouding your brain space, but let's give it some really fun things to talk about. So why don't you just start off by giving a little bit of background on you on who you are, where you came from, how you came to be a Tantra practitioner and clinical sexologist, because that is a very interesting field to be in. Yes, definitely. So I have like immediately in my brain, I have like five different levels of answer to that question. Yes. You're like, how deep do I go? Right. (laughs) Immediately, like the highest perspective answer is like every single thing that I've been through has been on purpose and divinely guided and exactly what I signed up for before I got to this planet, you know, and it's all landed me in the perfect spot that I am in today. And on the most human level, it was hard. (laughs) There was a lot of hard stuff. Yeah. Starting when I was 16, I stepped into the sex industry, kind of unknowingly at the time, but I wound up in that industry all things under the umbrella when you think of that industry. Stripping, prostitution, escorting, sugar daddy dynamics, like everything. I even dabbled in porn for like a week and realized that is absolutely not the industry for me. And so, yeah, I spent the next eight years after that first encounter at 16 in that industry in various different parts of it, different lengths of time doing different things. But I was very stuck in, in like a boomerang kind of way. Like there was some change going on in my life every so often, but I was very like, I would just end up coming right back around to that place inside of myself that had me stuck in that industry, which had a lot to do with self-worth stuff, a lot to do with like what I believed I was deserving of in life, but especially in relationships and dynamics with men. And it was a complete 180 
like five years ago Mm -hmm. compared to now, how I live my life. It was about almost five years when I started to exit the industry. It was a big like spiritual awakening is what I call it. I had a big, massive awakening. It was really the only like accurate feeling word. It was like my eyes are open now and I can see things completely differently than I had ever seen them before. Over those eight years, I was like the first person to tell you all about myself and how I was such a cool stripper and I did all this stuff and I was so amazing and I could make money whenever and whatever. And I like really had sold myself on the idea that it was empowering because I was in control of it or so I thought. And then I had this massive awakening and I could see this other like shadowy side of that, that I just wasn't available to see before. And I understand now through my whole healing journey, why I wasn't available then and then became available because I was ready for the change then finally, amazing, which required me to see how disempowered I was. And I was so not wanting to see that for eight years, you know, and then I finally realized, oh, I'm in control of if I work on Tuesday or Wednesday, but who's really in control? You know, this dynamic is built on the foundation that there are men who want to pay for access to my body, you know? And so it was like this huge, like knock me on my ass, probably six month chapter of like feeling this massive wave of grief for how I had like unknowingly put myself in these disempowering dynamics for almost a decade and believed that it was good for me. And so I felt a lot of like inner betrayal because I did so much harm that I didn't know I was doing until I did. Right. And so that realization really woke me up. It shone light on every single thing that I had the chance to heal from that point forward. And I just double down like a motherfucker on that. (laughs) And so retreats and coaching and therapy and programs and virtual things and in-person things and spending time in nature and meditating, like every single thing I could reach for, I reached for all at once. And then just, it was like a, like a tornado, like it just kind of took off into its own life. And that simultaneously, it's kind of really beautiful when I think about it in hindsight, all of my healing happened simultaneously as like the next iteration of my career started to show itself, which had everything to do with the same healing that I needed to go through first, that I would be able to help other people with afterwards. And then I found Tantra, (laughs) along with a lot of other modalities. You froze for one second, but I know I heard everything that you said, and that's absolutely amazing. So what happened when it did shift for you? Because you're still in a sexual space. So I guess I have so many questions. In what way did it shift that like you then saw sex in a, in a different... Is that what happened? You saw sex in a different way and you wanted to research it from, I'm going to put the air quotes, like the healthier point of view. Like what exactly was this shift to go from being in this world of sex to still being in this world of sex? Like that's where it's like, you would think you'd want to get away from anything sexual, but but you didn't. You stuck in this realm. So where was it before to where is it now? Like when you, when you think about sex and what you're teaching to people now, you're teaching mainly women, but you work with a lot of men too. Uh-huh. What is this difference? I understand that you're like teaching women to take ownership of their bodies and have pride in their bodies and not just give it away. But um, for the guys that are are listening, like what is this difference in this this world of sex that you're playing in now compared to where you were before? Mm. 
I have never been asked this question and I am so excited to answer this right now. This is such a good question. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. So the most simple words I have for that is before the dynamic that I was... So let's see, what am I going to speak to? Okay. So what shifted is my own relationship with sex as a thing, Okay. as a thing in general and my own sexuality, both. So in the past, my relationship with sex was heavily conditioned from a million different directions, you know, childhood trauma, cultural conditioning, patriarchal shit, whatever. Like all of this conditioning had me grow up into this relationship with sex where I saw it as something I could use to my advantage in a way that was like almost transactional. I learned that sex could be a commodity, that sex could Mm -hmm. be manipulated in like power struggle type of ways, all way below the surface in the mind. You know, I'm not thinking, ooh, how can I use my sex to get this guy to love me? I'm not thinking that, but that's how it was playing out. You know, and it took mm-hmm. all of this experience to be able to see it this way now, but which is a very common programming for many women, whether yeah. or not they're in the sex industry. But like just for me, I grew up the same way, thinking that sex was like my trading tool. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that I was a woman and I could I could control men with the fact that I am a woman mm-hmm. and with them liking me, that was my upper hand. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so the like disempowerment spiral that comes from that. And to be clear, my caveat, like disclaimer here is that my stance on this is so neutral on both sides, like men and women gender wise. Like it's not like, oh, women are so fucked over by the sex industry. Like fuck men, like not at all, like at all at all. But I think that both parties are equally like negatively impacted by the whole paradigm because women are taught culturally to grow up and see ourselves as like something that can be traded, like you said, which is exactly the right word. And then men grow up and this is not like throw shade, but like without ever trying to learn this, they accidentally learn that they should have access to that, you know, and it fuels the sex industry because it's harmless, air quotes, harmless to think Like, well, if she wants to do this and she's making money from it and everyone's all on board, like, where's the harm? It creates the perfect, horrible environment for us to continue to breed the trauma and the disempowerment that fuels the industry to begin with. And so it leaves men disempowered because then they're not authentically connecting with women the way they want to. And they're settling for these breadcrumb, like readily available interactions. And then women are not feeling their worth in relationships because they're putting that on the back burner immediately trying to trade their way into being worthy, you know? And so in the past, that was where I was living in that frame where like, it was all about transactional. Yes. Very transactional. And now my relationship with sex is something that is so much more holistic. It is holistic. I see it as one of the many pieces that are equally important and valuable and sacred to you being a whole functioning, happy human. And mm-hmm. now I help people become empowered in their relationship with sex versus meet their needs that feel empowering in the moment, but really feel a disempowered relationship in the long run. And I love that. And you're so well-spoken. I love that you're like so concise and clear with it. Like you've put a lot of time and energy into this. It's very obvious. So I want to speak to the guys who are listening to this because a lot of guys that I work with, 
they feel very disempowered when it comes to sex because I know that you say that for a lot of guys, they feel like they should be getting it, which I think is what is happening for a lot of guys. It should have easy access to it. Mm -hmm. But the guys who are listening are not having easy access to it, right? Yeah. They don't know why they're not having easy access to it. But mixed in with this is that they don't know how to actually put that out there in a respectful manner, safe manner, non-creepy manner. They don't know how to actually tap in to their manly sex appeal because there is either shame around it or they don't know how to do that. So like for the guys that are listening, I love for you to speak to like how wonderful being a sexual man actually is and can be. And I want you to reinforce the idea for them that it is okay to be sexual around women, but maybe give guidelines on how to actually be sexual. Because this is like the difficult challenge for so many guys because they don't know how to be sexual. So they cut off that side of them completely in order to be a respectful man. Am I making sense with what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I would love to hear what you have to say about that. And like even offering some guidelines for the guys that are listening. Yeah. And I love this question too. So, so good. (laughs) Quality. (laughs) Good. Oh, I feel so good about myself now. Thank you. (laughs) Really? It's so good. It makes me think about the thing that I know I've heard a million times and it's, I would say probably like a mainstream thing, mainstream-ish thing for people to say and hear about women that like, she's damned if she does, she's damned if she doesn't. Like if she has sex, she's a whore. If she doesn't, she's a prude. And that same like gridlocked between a rock and a hard place societal Mm -hmm. bullshit is also put on men, but we don't talk about it in the same way. It's not like over-exaggerated in the same way, but it's still happening. You know, where men are like taught that you need to lead, you need to be the initiator, you need to be the one that's driving the whole ship. And if you're not, you're not manly enough, but don't be too manly because if you cross that line, you're too aggressive and now you're rude and now you're creepy. You're getting me too, exactly. Right, and so it's like that window of where they feel safe to express that part of themselves gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And so Mm -hmm. a big piece of advice for that, I think, is just the recognition that like that gap closing in on you is something that is being done like to you and you don't have Mm -hmm. to agree with it. You don't have to enroll yourself into living in these like imaginary invisible confines that society told you at one point or another, just because there's some fear attached to it for you now. You can work through that fear Mm -hmm. and you can feel that fear and face it and handle it and emotionally process what needs to be processed without allowing this like invisible cage to get even smaller on you. Yeah. And I think that is a really important piece in the work for men with like building up that reliable confidence with expressing themselves with women, whether it's flirty or platonic or sexual or whatever, the reliable confidence to where they're not trying to calculate it every single time where it's unconscious and they're just competent. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that it's really helpful in cultivating that to remember that you are only oppressed by what you allow yourself to be oppressed by, you know? Absolutely. Easier said than done. (laughs) So actually, I want to speak to you as a woman, Uh right? So as a woman and a woman who was in a world that now you realize did not serve you well, Uh telling the guys who are listening, is it okay to be a sexual man? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is so okay to be a sexual man. I think it's actually 
unsafe feeling for a woman to not be able to feel that from you. Because I think like, if you just, I mean, I don't know how woo-woo I can get here with like chakras and shit, but like- As much as you want. Okay. So if you think about like our physical body, we have a physical body, we have an emotional body, we have an energetic body. That's why when you're like full of anxiety, your mind is racing. It's like all of your energy is stuck up in that head space, you know? And so when we think about our whole entire body, that lower center of chakras, that like pelvis, lower stomach area, that is where our energy is the most like primal. That's where we have our animalistic like energies. So that means sex. And it also means, especially for a man, all the other stuff that's primal the protection, the sacred rage, the ability to like kill something that's threatening you, you know? And so when you are not comfortable or willing or able to express yourself sexually to a woman in a powerful, like, yeah, this is who I am. And this is, this is what I'm about. And like, there's no apology needed. That also creates a little bit of like fear or uncertainty around if you can be expressed in that primal protector also. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're very connected. When a woman can trust you to be confident sexually, she can also trust you to be confident as her protector. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Are there limitations or even guidelines that you can give to guys on? Because when I say be a sexual man, that can mean so many things to different people. Mm-hmm. So are there do's and don'ts? Are there caps on like how sexual you can be? Mm-hmm. I think it's really about like, how you express it outwardly. Like it's okay to be sexual and for a woman to feel that sexuality mm-hmm. around her. But like, is there a cap of when it's like too much for somebody to take in and when it's inappropriate or it does cross that line to being creepy? Like, I, I know it's a hard thing to define, but is mm-hmm. there is there a way to give that guidance? Yes, yes, <laughs> totally. So as you're saying this again, I have an image in my mind of like the energy body, like just the way yeah. energy moves in our body. So I think the most like simple and universal advice, wisdom that I can give to this is that you don't need to, like you won't need, meaning you, the guy, you won't need to strategize or really overthink at all how sexual you are being or are not being or can be or should be or shouldn't be in any given situation when your initial focus is first put on staying connected between your heart and your cock. Mm -hmm. That's it. Because I think that connection allows you to stay attuned to whatever's right in front of you because your heart is just as much plugged into your sexual desire. I mean, just as much plugged into your interaction as your sexual desire is. And when those two mm-hmm. things are, are supporting each other, that's when you're really magnetic to a woman. And it's also when you're going to be aware if you're not magnetic to a woman and you're not going to be like right. oblivious to her not being into it because you'll be connected to your emotions as you're wanting to pursue her. And so it's that double at the same time. It makes you think of like downward dog in yoga, like you're trying to stretch this part of your body and this part of your body yeah. at the same time. And it's the balance of both. You're not doing one or the other. But when you do have that balance in downward dog, your body does feel just right. Yes. But it can feel like it's being pulled from one side to the other if you're if it's like off kilter. So yeah. what I am hearing you saying and what I'm actually picturing as well is like when your penis is taking the lead, 
like that's when it just goes crazy because you're not mm-hmm. seeing the person in front of you. You're not connecting to the person in front of you. It's literally just like the sex, right? Yeah. And then a woman just feels like, oh, this is like too much and this is gross. And like, this just feels like too much putting on me. Mm-hmm. But when there is the like, my penis feels you, my penis sees you, but I see you too. And I'm listening mm-hmm. to what you're saying. And my penis says, it's okay to flirt right now because you know that my penis is attracted to you. There is that balance there. Yeah. That's like the only way that I can paint a picture of this, this like pleasant space. But mm-hmm. when you're just connected and there is no penis there and all the women's senses like this flaccid things that, that isn't turned on by her at all, yeah. there's nothing for her to, to grab onto, to want to initiate more there's like no way she can feel a spark. Like all she feels is, is the connectedness. Like you see her and that feels pleasant, but mm-hmm. the excitement isn't there. Yes. So am I making sense with what I'm saying? Totally. And I want to be really careful about how I like say what I'm going to say right now, because I, I'm just going to say what I don't want to say so that it's not <laughs> backwards dragging. Okay. So what I'm not trying to say is that you should intentionally be trying to create like fear or tension or something in the relationship, because that's not at all the goal. Right. But when we're talking about safety, I think that that is a very nuanced idea in terms of a romantic relationship that gets really easily misunderstood where a guy can learn about this idea for the first time and then think, oh, okay, in a black and white way, in order to be safe, I need to be nice. In order to be safe, I need to be emotionally available. Okay. And then they double down on those efforts. And now there's zero sense of excitement. There's no enticing, thrilling. Yeah, there's no turn on. And it can be confusing because you're thinking, what the fuck? I read this book. I watched this video. I'm doing all of these things. Why is she not responding to me? Like panty dropping, you know, like what's going on? Right. And then you question yourself and then you spiral and then you feel rejected. And like, it just gets harder after that. Yeah. And so to me, the outlet to like not have that happen is to remember that you want to be creating this safe space for her, but you're not trying to create like a fucking padded room at a mental hospital, you know, like there needs to be some availability for her to take a risk with you because if there is zero risk involved, then what is the potential for reward that she's feeling, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it's like, literally, if you are creating a padded room environment, emotionally, mentally, whatever for her, there is no risk if she were to leave you, if she were to stay, if she were to whatever, and you become a really neutral force in her life really quickly. And so you have to be willing to, this is where dating is fun and also scary. You have to be willing to like leave a little bit on the table, off the table, however you want to look at it to like, maybe Mm -hmm. it's a padded room and there's like a fire going in the corner, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a risk. It's not outrageous, but there's something there for you guys to play with. There's something there. Yeah. I love that. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about female arousal being different than male arousal and understanding how her pleasure anatomy actually works so she can be pleased in the bedroom. Mm. So we will be back with Hannah Spanky after this. If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle, and that's flirting, or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. 
Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly and it's that powerful. To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it. All right, we are back and we are going to dive into female arousal, which is kind of what you were just talking about before the break. It's like, how do you actually create that grr instead of the, oh, he's like nice and he's okay to hang around with. But so like, how does female arousal differ from male arousal? Like, what is the difference? So many, so many. (laughs) But there are a couple like very specific biological differences that I think if everybody knew, men and women, if we just grew up being taught this, so much sexual dissatisfaction would be avoidable and would not be happening Mm -hmm. because we would just understand that we are different and it wouldn't be confusing. I think what gets confused, and this has everything to do with like porn culture and a whole bunch of other stuff I can tangent on later, maybe. Yeah. And I mean this in a neutral way. Again, this is not against men in any way. But it trains us almost as adults to have male-focused sex. And what I mean by that is we grow up assuming that women function sexually the same way as men. Because in porn, that's like what's focused on. You know, it's his Mm -hmm. cum shot. It's his hard dick. It's her having pleasure throughout the experience. But it's not about like her arousal process necessarily. It's about his. Mm -hmm. And so it's nobody's fault why we all assume that that's how it should be and then feel disappointed when it's not you know and so the main difference that needs to be known is that for full arousal to happen meaning flaccid tissue all the way to fully engorged tissue which means it is fully primed and ready for pleasure in all the places it's meant to for a man for a penis first of all all of his erectile tissue is external it's his penis. We all can see it. We know it. It's the one piece, one show, one man show, you know? And when it's hard, we can see it and we know it. And like, there's no doubt about it. And it takes about seven minutes in total. You can totally have a boner in less than seven minutes. And it might take even a little bit longer than that for you to feel fully, fully turned on. But as far as the hardware goes, it takes about three to seven minutes for a man to be fully erect and ready. For a woman, it takes 20 to 45 minutes for that same exact process to happen. And she has just as much erectile tissue as he does in his penis, but spread between three different areas that are all internal. And so it's not as obvious. It's not as black and white of like, oh, okay, is the timer done? Like you can't tell unless you know what you're looking for, which we don't get taught. And so that I get backlash on in places like TikTok and stuff because people will comment and be like, I have an orgasm in five minutes. It doesn't take me 20 minutes to get turned on. Right. And I want to make a clear distinction that arousal and pleasure are not the same. You can jerk your dick off as hard as you can and make yourself come in 30 seconds without having the most pleasure possible. Right. You know, and so that's what I'm talking about. 
if you want, and this is my assumption and hope that you want your partners to be as pleasured as possible and same thing for you, you want to allow time for that process to happen. That doesn't mean you have to be going down on her for 45 minutes, but it means like from the time you start to look at her a little flirtatious or you're pulling on her shirt, trying to get her to take a bra off or something like the whole buildup is included mm-hmm. in that time frame. And so the slower you can wait for actual penetration and the more attention you can give to her arousal, whatever that means, before penetration, the happier everybody is going to be. I love that. Interesting. Okay, wonderful. So then once there is that arousal, how do you know what to do with those body parts like for women? So like how do guys, how do guys know that that arousal is happening number one and then mm-hmm. how do they help it out like how do they maximize on that pleasure experience for women mm-hmm. okay so i'm going to be super clear with everything i'm describing okay. here so you should be able to close your eyes and like see it perfectly <laughs> okay so with her arousal there are three different erectile tissue zones on a man there's one it's the penis on her there are three different zones one of those is the clitoris and that includes what you probably already know to be the clitoris, including the tissue behind the skin that goes kind of deep and back and down around. So yeah, when it comes to knowing if she's turned on or not, literally the clitoris is like a little teeny tiny penis. There are two parts to the external part of it. There's a shaft and there's a head just like a penis. And so like it's a micro level, you know, you use two fingers instead of a hand but like you can literally use two fingers and kind of like pinch that area and feel the shaft part of the external part of the clitoris being hard or not. Hmm. You can literally feel like a little tiny boner or not. (laughs) So there's that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another way is just visually, and this will be more drastic depending on each woman, depending on her anatomy, but it can be really drastic in some women where when you're fully aroused, the external part of your, like the whole vulva, external part of your genitals is really swollen looking. Mm -hmm. Like it'll literally look swollen, like blown up in some way. The labia on the inside, the lips will all be like longer, bigger, fatter, that kind of look. So it'll look kind of like swollen. That's another way to tell. And then internally, for the G spot at least, which is a second erectile tissue zone, when you insert your fingers, you might not be able to tell this as specifically with a penis, but with fingers, if you insert your fingers into a vagina and press upwards, like up towards her belly button, if there's like no resistance at all, and you can just shove your fingers up there, then she's probably not aroused at all. And if there's some resistance, like it feels like the tissue is like almost pushing back against your fingers. Yeah. That's a telltale sign that she is aroused hard. It's literally like, so this is a a comparison that really lands for men usually is like, just because your girlfriend or your wife or a woman in your life could give you a blowjob or jerk you off with a half hard dick, does that mean you would want her to? Right. No, (laughs) right? You would want to have a full boner before you had sex, right? You wouldn't try to have sex if you weren't aroused yet. Same exact idea, just like do your best to drill that into your brain you don't want to have sex with your woman when she's not hard, you know? Fully aroused. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, that makes total sense. And actually, I'm going to jump to something else, which actually I think is completely tied. So I'm going to preface this with saying, I was watching this documentary last night about Army Hammer. He's that actor. He was in the social network. He was the one who played like the Winklevoss or Winkle, oh, whatever, the, uh-huh. the twins. Anyway, it's come out recently that he like sexually assaulted mm. women and he's kind of sadistic when it comes to things going on in the bedroom. Anyway, but... I found it very interesting because this is part of the arousal process and this is where I'm going to connect these things. But every woman that they talked to had this very similar story about how open and vulnerable Army was with them about expressing his feelings. Because I know that a lot of guys think that like expressing your feelings is a total turnoff and it's not arousing at all. But for many of these women, it was a huge part of their arousal with him and for him. And like even this 20 minutes of arousal, like being vulnerable, sharing your feelings could be a part of that arousal process. It's not necessarily like as soon as you touch the body. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to to talk to you about like how guys can express themselves emotionally without coming across as weak or feminine Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. a woman. Yeah, just, oh my God, one more of those documentaries. The worst. Right. <laughs> okay. Yes. I like this question too a lot. Okay. So the word I was thinking of is intimacy. And I heard a mentor say this a long, long time ago, and it's always stuck with me. It might be something you've heard before. I don't know. Intimacy broken down in a different way said as into me, you see. Mm. And so mm. I think that men who in their defense are conditioned to be more emotionally disconnected than women are in our culture. You know, you're supposed to, boys don't cry kind of stuff. And so then when it comes time to be an adult and you're consciously wanting to connect with a woman and you learn, oh, I need to be more emotional, it can feel like something that's on the to-do list. And it's like, okay, I could tell her about, I had a hard day today. I could tell her about, I was sad. I could tell her about, and it's really easy to collect a list of like shitty feelings that you could tell her about, you know? Right. And that might be vulnerable, but it's also not the actual essence of what being vulnerable means. It doesn't just mean sharing your hardships. It means showing parts of yourself to another person, period. Into me, you see. And so that could be like you casually, like maybe she's cooking you spaghetti or something. You casually remember about a time you had spaghetti when you were five and your mom spilled the stuff on the ground and she started crying. You felt really bad and like, whatever. It's just a sweet like memory kind of a thing that you could maybe tell her about because Mm -hmm. it reminded you in that moment. Has nothing to do with you being weak, has nothing to do with you being upset or troubled or whatever, but it gives her a glimpse into your inner world, your inner experience, your heart, the way that you're emotionally processing what's going on around you, especially to do with her. And that is going to help her feel more connected to you because she feels let in on what's going on that she cannot see. Mm -hmm. Let in. That's a good word for it. Let in. And that's exactly what in this documentary, that was like the appealing part of him that numerous women said, like he just started revealing things to me. And sometimes there's like, you know, you reveal too much, you throw up on women. It's not, it's a huge turnoff. But it's like the way that he did it, he like opened up and he told like little secrets about him. And he didn't start with huge things. It's like little things that he would let them in on that pulled them in more, mixed in with flirting and connecting and getting to know you. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just like reveal, 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 vulnerable, vulnerable. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. And that is like a huge, a huge thing 
for women. And that's a huge part of arousal that I think most men don't realize is a huge turn on point for us. I'm going to wrap up the show because I actually have a coaching call that I have to get to in four minutes. And I want to chat with you about our future masterclass that we're going to do together. But thank you, Hannah. Hannah Spanky so much for coming onto the show. Why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you, find you, do work with you for clinical sexology and for Tantra if they are curious about it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. I want to keep talking for like three hours. <laughs> I know. And so fast too. So the easiest way to find me is Hannah Spanky on Instagram. I'm also basically any platform you can find me at Hannah Spanky. No one else has the name. It's pretty convenient. HannahSpanky.com. Also, the website's being redone, but you can jump on my email list there. And then if you just want to reach out directly, HannahSpanky at gmail.com. If you have any personal inquiry or questions, I can answer. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up the show now, but new episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Please do not go and download individual shows. Please go and subscribe to our show so that you can spend the time you would have spent downloading individual episodes, actually going out and creating intimacy and wonderful arousal with the women that you interact with. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. 